Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. going on fan evening show rolling on here fan text line brought to you by edgar snyder and associates personal injury law firm where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you let's grab a call troy in mount washington up next on the fan you can reach us at 412-928-9370 troy what's going on josh what's up brother how are you i'm good man what you got um just watching that super bowl um the main thing that I took away from it that, you know, I'm trying to rack my brain around and I'd love to ask you, do you think that there in Super Bowl history, there has ever been a better defensive play caller, offensive play caller combo than the Kansas City Chiefs have this year throughout the history of the Super Bowl? Well, it's, I mean, that's a really good question. Um, you know, obviously you're talking about Andy Reid and, and uh, uh, Spagnola. Um I mean, I go back to, you know, those Patriots teams, obviously, when Belichick was really running the defense for New England, and they had, I mean, they've had some pretty talented offensive minds, but those guys have generally kind of uh, not panned out when they've gone to become head coaches. So it's a good question, and it's a really good point, but Andy Reid, as far as an offensive play caller, and then Steve Spagnuolo on the defensive side, I mean, you you might be on to something, at least in modern times. It might be the very best, you know, one-two punch when you talk about offensive and defensive play callers. I mean, when you just watch the Kansas City Chiefs play, it's almost like once you get to a, a point of halftime or at the end of a quarter, the game change the 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 things that Spagnola does to completely change his defense, whether he goes from a cover two or one safety back or blitzing here, blitzing there. I just I can't. I, I can't think of a better in-game play-calling adjusting team than those two. And I'm not, that's not to take anything away from Patrick Mahomes, but it, sometimes you have to have that quarterback to you know, feel, feel okay making the calls that they make. But as a whole, I mean, Kansas City's defense was, was a good team. Uh, they, they stepped up a lot this year uh, rather than last year and years before, but when Spagnola just coaches, I, I just don't see a better defensive mind and defensive play call. I think he needs to go down as top three in the history of the game. Yeah, and and I think, too, along those lines, man, and, and thanks for the call, Troy. Appreciate it. Uh, I think along those lines, too, you know, this Chiefs team lacked a lot. I mean, from a an offensive standpoint, their receivers kind of garbage this year. I mean, McCole Hardman, a guy that they brought back into the fold, and you know, Sky Moore was hurt all year for them. Rasheed Rice struggled at the start, and then really they, they got him cooking in the playoffs. Like they just they found ways to turn what was, you know, a, a, a sort of lackluster group of players outside of Travis Kelsey around Patrick Mahomes into a Super Bowl championship winning offense, and it really I think shows a the ability of Andy Reid to go out and find top-notch coaches, right? And, and, and as we relate this back to the Steelers, 
it has to be frustrating in a sense where uh, the Steelers very rarely bring in a guy that you consider to be a great mind either offensively or defensively. They certainly didn't have one offensively the last couple of years. We know that. Mike Tomlin, it, it feels like, is the guy primarily in charge of that defense. But, boy, you look at their coaching staff. I mean, even this year, like they brought in uh, Matt Nagy, who, look, I mean, his time as a head coach was really bad. No question about that. But there's a reason that he became, that he became a head coach. They bring him onto their staff as their offensive coordinator to work under Andy Reid. Now, Andy Reid runs the plays, but as we have seen, there's value to that offensive coordinator position with the Chiefs. Hello, Eric Bieniemy Did a pretty decent job when he left there, even though he wasn't retained in Washington. So, you know, you go down their list of coaches. Spagnolo, obviously, I think, really, really a good defensive mind. Uh, but they have a pass game coordinator, an offensive coordinator, their head coach. He calls the plays on the offense, but they are still out there adding to their staff and, and really focusing on coaching in Kansas City. I don't know that we can say the same with the Steelers. And by the way, shout out to J uh, David Girard uh, uh, Girardi, who is the quarterback's coach of the Chiefs. Not a bad assignment getting to be Patrick Mahomes' quarterback's coach, but he's a New Kensington guy, Pittsburgh guy from the, I believe, Highlands area, Highlands School District, somewhere up in that area, I think, New Ken, um, but but he's a Super Bowl champion again. They have an, uh, an, a statistical analytics person. I mean, they have a deep, deep roster when it comes to coaches and support staff Deeper than what the Steelers have, I can tell you that, and far more, uh, far more impressive. It's not a secret that the Chiefs have won Super Bowls here. Yes, they have a, an all-time legendary quarterback that, that may very well go down as the best ever to do it. They also have coaches that have gotten him into the great positions that he has been in to win, and that starts with Andy Reid, and. and I think we have to have a real conversation now on where Andy Reid falls as far as the greatest coaches ever. You know, where right now is Andy Reid? You know, Chuck Knoll, obviously high up there. Walsh, high up. I mean, we can go down this list and you know these names, but you know, Belichick is probably still going to be number one among um, uh, you know on top of everybody, but Andy Reid's getting there. And if they win again next season, if they win three in a row and four Super Bowls, it's a dynasty that realistically, at that point, it would be what it would be a shorter time frame that they won four than the Steelers of the seventies. It would be a a quicker you know sampling a, a shorter sample size to four Super Bowls than the Patriots. We could be talking about this being potentially the greatest dynasty ever, the Kansas City Chiefs, led by potentially the greatest quarterback ever in Patrick Mahomes. There's still a lot of things that need to happen between now and then, but I wouldn't bet against Kansas City.
if you're telling me to put a futures bet down right now on who's going to win the Super Bowl next year, I can tell you this. I'm not putting it on anybody but Kansas City. I don't think that they're going to win three straight Super Bowls, but I also I don't like anybody else other than them right now. They had a down year this year and still won. That's what makes them really scary. This isn't a Patriot situation where they're, you know, just running through the league. They got beat this year. They got beat a number of times. They did not look good. And, and I thought about this when the playoffs began. And if you, you listen to my shows back at that point, I said it. Uh, a lot of people were talking about, you know, this was the Bills' chance, and this is the Ravens' chance, one of those two teams. And I kept thinking, yeah, but they don't have Patrick Mahomes. And when they got that home playoff game against the Dolphins, I knew they were going to smack the Dolphins. Miami wasn't coming to, you know, zero or negative seven-degree Kansas City in winning that game. I didn't really think Baltimore was as strong, perhaps, as their record said. I thought they were a decent team, but I, I thought that was a beatable game. And to me, I looked at the, at, the, at the potential path for them, and I really thought Buffalo was the only team that could stand in their way. And I did think that they were going to lose to Buffalo. But I, I, I have learned now, you just don't bet against that guy from KC, man. The Andy Reid-Patrick Mahomes combination is not to be messed with. It's too good. Um, I I will say this about Kansas City and, and particularly Travis Kelsey. The whole uh, the whole running into Andy Reid deal. I think the world maybe got a little peek into. Uh, maybe kind of the dark side of Travis Kelsey. That this isn't the, uh, you know, happy-go-lucky podcast hosting, fun Taylor Swift dating, party sort of boy vibe that he gives off a lot. That There's actually a part of him that's kind of a D-bag. I said it. There's a part of him that's, Kind of a giant meathead. And I think that's what we saw there. Now, look, they get to shake all that off because they lost, but I'll tell you what, if if they or because they won, but if they had lost that game, the the lead story today beyond San Francisco winning is Travis Kelsey blowing up on the sideline and Andy Reid. If they don't win that game, that is the number one story in sports today was Kelsey losing it on Andy Reid during the game. That video's going everywhere, and it was very odd during the game because it felt like Romo and Nance kind of they showed it, and they said, oh, and then they sort of danced around it. Like They didn't want to go after the new golden boy of the NFL. You could tell that I think they're, you know, whether it's intentional or not, there's been some marching orders given to really stroke that ego of Travis Kelsey from a national media perspective. You don't want to upset the NFL. And if you go at Taylor Swift and if you go at Travis Kelsey, you're going at the NFL right now. I mean, Roger Goodell was over in that in that suite before the game, and he was kissing the ring of Taylor Swift. And rightfully so, because she's brought a ton of attention to football this year. 
Uh, and she's brought a lot of people to football, and I think it's generally been a really good thing that she's done. I don't get the hate of it. I mean, she's just a woman who's showing up to support the guy that she's dating. Yes, she is very, very famous. I don't think she's done anything wrong in this situation. I also happen to think that she's dating a complete and total meathead who I think embarrassed her, by the way, when he was up on that podium. They cut to her when he was screaming, you know, uh, Viva Las Vegas. He kept screaming that over and over and over again. Uh, and they panned to her, and she was just kind of like, uh, yeah, that, okay, all right. Yeah. She didn't look... She didn't look very into him at that point, by the way, which whatever. I mean, we all do embarrassing things, uh, and that's fine. He was celebrating, but but he is a meathead. That's okay. Like, meatheads can be allowed. But I think the world started to see it a little bit when he went at Andy Reid. I think there were a lot of people that were really generally on board with the, uh, the Travis Kelsey train that saw that and were sort of turned off by it all. That thought, ah, this guy's this guy's kind of an angry guy. We don't like that. We thought he was Mr. Happy and personable and podcasty and Taylor Swifty, and now he's kind of the big angry meathead athlete guy. We don't like that so much. And, and I kind of wonder if things are going to maybe spiral spiral now, if you know things start to change towards how people view him because I think that opened up a door to a side of him that he probably didn't want to be seen. He actually said it after the game. He was like, Oh, you guys, you guys saw that? I'm like, yeah, of course we saw it. Meathead. There's 190 cameras pointed at you at all points during a game. We saw it, but Hey, the guy's a winner and he might be the best tight end ever. Him, Gronk, Antonio Gates, Tony Gonzalez, top four tight ends ever, but it's probably him and Gronk that are in that final conversation right now. Um, TJ Watt did not show up for the NFL awards last week. I think it's a Bush League move on his part. We'll talk more about it when we come back. I'm Josh Rountree here on The Fan. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Fan Twitter brought to you by South Hills Kia and Peters Township. You can visit them at southhillskia.net. Let's grab a quick call before we dive into the uh, TJ Watt conversation. And uh, it's a good pal of ours. Doc in Claysville. Hi, Doc. Hi, Josh. How are you doing tonight? I'm, I'm doing well, Doc. How are you? Doing real good, buddy. Thank you. Hey, uh, I got a couple things here. Uh, number one. Uh, Kansas City, at a minimum, is going to win at least three more Super Bowls. When you got that kind of a team and you know a good, nice coach here and everything, but the big prediction I'm making tonight is 
my Pittsburgh Pirates, my beloved Pittsburgh Pirates, is going to win the Central Division, Ooh. National League Central, with a record of 92 and 70. I love the the additions they brought on this year. And they brought Kutch back, and uh, I can't wait to start up. I guess they start up in two weeks, no Yep, uh, spring training right around uh, the corner, Doc. Uh, good to hear from you as always, and uh, thanks for the call. I don't know if I see uh, 92 wins for the Buccos. That's uh, that's not what I would predict, if we're being honest. I think the injuries to Endy and Oviedo, uh, not killers, but big-time, big-time body blows. I think they're more of like a high 70s team right now which that's unfortunate because I think with those guys, they're probably a, a mid-80s sort of win total team. Um, but losing those two guys, to me, that that was really tough. I think they can surpass my expectations, but they need some things. I, I am really curious about Henry Davis. They bring in Grandal. Does that mean Davis, maybe the catching not coming along quite as they had hoped, and now they're diving into insurance policies right here before spring training. I, I don't know. All right. Uh, TJ Watt didn't show up to the NFL honors last week. Uh, first time I've, uh, first time I've hosted since that happened. Here's the deal. I, I think these award ceremonies are incredibly stupid, much like all-star games. I, I find them just Pointless waste of time, for the most part. Um, that said, TJ Watt deciding apparently at, I don't know, the last minute or shortly there before, whatever the case is, to not go to the NFL Honors Award because he was not going to win Defensive Player of the Year, uh, that's a clown move, in my opinion. A complete and utter clown move by T.J. Watt. Look, he's a great player. I think he should have won Defensive Player of the Year. I'm not disagreeing with T.J. Watt's frustration or his stance on not winning. He should be frustrated by it. But what I'm going to say is, let's reverse this right now. Let's say Miles Garrett was perceived to be the betting favorite, if you will, the many people's favorite to win, uh, and T.J. Watt won, and Miles Garrett said, well, forget that, I'm not going. And then I'm going to have my wife post on social media that we're playing hooky like T.J. Watt did with his wife from the NFL Honors. And I think on top of this, Look, if T.J. Watt doesn't want to go to the NFL Honors, I really don't care what the heck the guy does. Honestly, I really don't. But Cam Hayward got honored for his work in the community as the Walter Payton Man, Payton Man of the Year, and T.J. Watt blew that off. That's a teammate getting a coveted award that is far, far, far more important than Defensive Player of the Year when we talk about the grand scope of life. And T.J. Watt blew that off, and he could have been there to support his teammate. He could have been there to congratulate 
the guy that won and been a good sport about it, and he didn't do it. And again, I get why he's ticked about it. He should have won. The stats say that he should have won. But doing that, I don't know. It, it, it really it really makes the guy look bad to me. Now, will it affect the public's opinion here in Pittsburgh? Probably not. But especially when you add in the fact that Cam Hayward got NFL Walter Payton Man of the Year and, and thanked his teammates in that, and the most prominent teammate of his decided to, to not go because he was not winning an award. I don't know. It just, it rubbed me the wrong way. And it's a guy that generally, I mean, I really like watching him play football. I think he's a really, really great player. But if I'm a fan and I get attached to guys from a personality standpoint along with what they do on the field, that would have probably soured me on TJ Watt a little bit. If I have to be honest, it just came off a little childish. And, you know, his brother has done so much in the community and was a Walter Payton man of the year. You would think that he would have a respect for what that award means and and that he would be there for one of his teammates uh, when he won that award. But, you know, he chose not to be there. And then he had his wife post on social media that they were playing hooky. I don't know. It all it all came off incredibly juvenile to me and disappointing in many ways. But it's his right to not be there. I, I will say this. I, I heard this thrown out there earlier today. If you're the Steelers right now, and you saw what happened last night, and Joel, I'll pose this question to you. And if you want to hop in, 412-928-9370. I saw this thrown out there last night. Watching that game, watching Patrick Mahomes, seeing that complete roster that San Francisco has that almost won the Super Bowl again. Does it make sense to start this debate, argument, whatever you want to call it, that the Steelers might be better off trading T.J. Watt if they can get a really, really huge return back for him right now. You almost might have to. He's approaching his 30s. The Steelers, their window to put together the best team they can if they're still a couple years away, you know, and if you can get some big-time not prospects, but, you know, big-time first-round picks and maybe a player or two who helps you almost now or in a couple of years, they they should have thoughts of that. I think you have to think about it. I mean, I, I really do. The guy is going to turn 30 in October. History shows once you hit that point, your body starts to decline a little bit. You take a step back. And uh, as much as I think in the short term it might hurt them, the potential benefits of the long term could be significant and, and could be great. Keep this in mind. 
J.J. Watt, out of football at 33. T.J. Watt will be 30. You talk about genetics, you talk about, you know, and maybe, you know, Watt's body took a little bit more of a beating, J.J. Watt's body took a little bit more of a beating than T.J. Watt's playing down in the trenches more. But T.J.'s had his fair share of injuries. He certainly has, including this very season. Now, at 33, J.J. Watt had 12 and a half sacks and then walked away and went on TV with the weirdest haircut I have ever seen at the Super Bowl yesterday. What was that about? He looked like he was joining the Backstreet Boys. The spikiness, it looked like frosted tips. I, I what What the hell was going on with that? That was a bad decision on his part. He actually admitted it, too. I think he tweeted out something like, have you ever decided to change your hair and wonder if people notice or something like that? It was pretty good. Yeah, he said, you ever switch up your hair and wonder if anyone will notice? They notice. Little rookie mistake. At least he's broadcasting in for what? Yeah, at least he's in on the joke. You know, he can poke fun at himself. He seems a little bit more lighthearted than his brother's. Derek, I don't think, had a great sense of humor either. J.J. seems a little bit more comfortable, you know, with things like that. I think J.J. Watt would have gone to the award ceremony. And again, it's I think it's incredibly disappointing that that he blew it off because he found out he wasn't going to win. Anyways, would you trade T.J. Watt if it meant the potential of getting back one of the top quarterbacks in the draft? Maybe you don't do it this year. Maybe you wait to next year. You, A, get that massive contract of his off the books. That could help you really expand your roster. You're going to certainly get multiple draft picks for him, right? That could help you fill out your roster and make it more complete. You're going to, look, you're going to lose maybe the elite pass rusher in football. You are. Is that position as important as the quarterback position? No. Can you survive in the NFL? Can you win, I should say, in the NFL without an elite pass rush? I think you can now. There was a time where I wouldn't have believed that. Not all that long ago, I would have said you have to have a good pass rush to win in the NFL because you have to get guys like Brady on the ground. Now, you know, I think it's important to be able to bring pressure, but I don't know that, you know, having a star pass rusher on the outside is a huge recipe for success. It's a nice thing if you have it, but I would much I would put much 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 more weight on having elite quarterback play than an elite pass rush on defense. And right now the Steelers have a pretty elite pass rush, but they have subpar quarterback play. And it doesn't feel like there's going to be a way out of that subpar quarterback play anytime soon unless they maybe make a massive massive splash to get up in the draft if you had a shot Joel at trading let's say TJ Watt and getting up into a spot where you could get Drake May do you do that it's really tough it's really tough because you're you're trading obviously 
one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. If the Steelers really think that they are multiple years away from being a, I guess we'll call it a true contender, something like that, if they think they need to have an honest conversation with themselves, if they think they're a few years away. The thing is, I don't think that they do think that. I think that in their heart of hearts, they believe that they can go win a Super Bowl next year. And it's one of the things that has made them great to watch over the years, but it's also one of the things that maybe has held them back because they're not realistic with themselves on where they are as an organization. They fail to realize that they are not good enough to go win a title. Like this team this year was not good enough to win a Super Bowl. And, and, and I commend them for going at it the way that they did and, and trying to get in the playoffs and you see what happens once you get there. But look, Mason Rudolph was never going to lead this team to the Super Bowl. He was not going to go and beat Josh Allen. He was not going to beat Patrick Mahomes. He is not he was not going to do that. Because he's not good enough. You have to have, you know, either an elite quarterback or a system like San Francisco has that is elite. I don't think Purdy is an elite quarterback, but I do think he is a good quarterback, good enough quarterback in an elite system that it makes up for. The Steelers' system sucked, and the quarterback play was anywhere from below average to decent. And that's not enough. And I think it leaves you at a point here where you really start to have to consider, you know, I'm not saying you blow the whole thing up, but if you can make one big splash move getting rid of, you know, a big contract still in his prime, but maybe closer to the back end of that prime type of player, and you can go get an elite quarterback you, I think you have to at least look into that trade possibility if you're Omar Khan and Mike Tomlin and, and company. It all depends on what they think of Drake May, his potential, their grade of him compared to when they graded Kenny Pickett a couple seasons ago. It's It all depends on where where they think Drake May can end up in, let's say, one to two years, something like that. I start to get a feeling with Drake May that we could be looking at another Trubisky. Same school. Exactly. Sam Howell. Like, guys that are, you know, starter caliber maybe, but but probably not great. I kind of wonder if North Carolina is just producing guys like that that are just good but not great quarterbacks. And Trubisky had it some decent year. I mean, he made a Pro Bowl. He took him to the playoffs. Sam Howell looks like a guy that maybe, you know, he might be all right. I don't think he's great, but he might be all right. And I wonder if Drake May is going to be the next in line. Just Carolina quarterbacks, there's just something about them that, you know, they, they look really, really good on paper. But the reality doesn't exactly meet it. Now, Hal ended up falling significantly in the draft, but he did also get into the starting lineup by, you know, what the midway point of the season, if, if not before that. Um, if you want to talk about this, 412-928-9370, would you entertain trading TJ Watt this offseason if it meant bringing in or, or acquiring a very high pick in this draft that you could maybe use either on a quarterback or another position? 
you know, let's say you can go get, I don't know, someone like Marvin Harrison Jr. to add for Kenny Pickett. And you can add maybe another pick or another player or something like that. Do you entertain it? Are you that smitten with T.J. Watt that he's entirely off the board as far as a trade candidate goes? We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more when we come back. We'll get your calls, 412-928-9370. It's the Fan Evening Show. Fan Evening Show, Josh Roundtree with you tonight. Happy to be back here on the fan. Taking your calls. TJ Watt, do you entertain trading him if it means moving up very, very high in the draft? If you can get multiple picks, maybe multiple first-round picks from somebody, including a spot, let's say, in the top 10, top 5 in this year's draft. Do you do you consider making that trade right now? Frank and Carrick is up next on the fan. What's up, Frank? Uh, thank, you. thank you for taking my call. God bless you for that. Thanks. Anyway, I would absolutely entertain the thought of trading TJ right now. Uh, and if I did, I would want at least two number ones, uh, a number two, and probably an impact player uh, that would help us on the defensive side of the ball because there's a lot of good defensive uh, players in this draft. And maybe uh, listening to you about Harrison, I would take him in a heartbeat too. That would really help the uh, upside of the offense. So, uh, yes, sir, for sure. Why not uh, entertain the thought of trading T.J. Watt? And, again, thank you for taking my call. God bless you tonight, sir. Yeah, thanks, Frank. Appreciate it, man. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it doesn't necessarily have to be a quarterback that you get. Maybe it's a dynamic playmaker like uh, like Marvin Harrison Jr. I, It's really tough because I think T.J. Watt is a great player. But I, I also look at the facts, and he's going to be 30 years old. He has not factored into them being a playoff-winning football team in his career. <laughs> you know, I mean, they, I mean, with him on this team, they have really, really defensively stunk in the playoffs. They've been terrible. And he's not, that's not all on him, certainly, but... You know, he has generally not played well in postseasons. By the way, last night's Super Bowl shattered the record for most watched Super Bowls ever. I don't have the numbers, but the story just just broke here. The most watched Super Bowl of all time uh, by, I guess, a, a pretty good margin. So most watched telecast ever. Oh, that's pretty good. Total audience delivery, 123.4 million average viewers across all platforms. CBS led the way with 120 million viewers, the largest audience in history for a single network. Super Bowl 58 is the most streamed Super Bowl in history, led by a record-setting audience on Paramount+. Plus. More than 200 million viewers, 202.4 watched all or part of Super Bowl 58 across all networks, the highest unduplicated total audience in history, and up 10% from last year's Super Bowl. That is undeniably the Taylor Swift effect. Undeniably, it is the Taylor Swift effect. It's, I, I don't think this matchup has that audience. It might be the most watched ever, maybe. But it's it's not 10% higher than last year if not for Taylor Swift. 
I think being in Vegas, the celebrity aspect in general helped. But that is a Taylor Swift number, without a doubt. There's just there's just no way of of arguing that. It's pretty crazy, to be honest. Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Check out special financing for qualified buyers on new Silverado 1500 trucks. Overnight, rain changing to snow, a low of 34 with an inch or two of snowfall. Expected Tuesday, a mix of clouds and sun, a high of 44, and a low of 29. It is not an easy conversation to have when you start talking about trading off the best players for an organization for draft picks. You know, Maybe you get something back. I, I, I don't know. But I think it has to happen here. I do. I, maybe has to is strong, but I think you, you I think you have to think about it. You, you you have to think about this. If your goal is to win a Super Bowl, how do you do that right now? You have to get your offense a heck of a lot more dynamic, a heck of a lot better. And and I don't think there is a quarterback, be it Justin Fields, Ryan Tannehill, Mason Rudolph, Kenny Pickett, Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, what have you that is going to be able to do that for you right now. It's either going to cost too much money, it's going to be too big of a gamble, or it's not going to be simply enough from the quarterback position to get you there that you can beat the Chiefs. Are you willing to take away the best of your defense to strengthen your offense significantly? I, Man, it is a tough, tough debate, but... If the right package is there, if the right deal is there, I'm I'm going to pull the trigger on it, and I'm going to trade T.J. Watt. What are your thoughts? 412-928-9370. Also, we need to talk about this, too. What happened to Tony Romo? What on earth happened to Tony Romo? we got to talk about that when we come back. I'm Josh Roundtree. This is the Fan Evening Show. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 